Hey guys, Jordan here. This episode contains spoilers for The Northman, a movie currently in theaters. If you've already seen the movie or are not bothered by spoilers, keep on listening. If you're still waiting to watch the movie, bookmark this episode and return to it when you're ready. You have been warned. The Layered Butter Podcast acknowledges the Mississaugas of the credit of the First Nation of the Anishinaabe people on the traditional territory that we are recording on. Welcome back to the Layered Buttered Podcast. Today, I am your host, Jordan Sloggett. I'm Rodrigo Cockting. And subbing in for Rafael Cordero, it's Andrew Perucho. Andrew, thank you for joining us. This is, is this what, your fourth time on the podcast? Yeah, thank you, guys. Like, if uh, this was the, if this was Parasite, we'd be in, like, opening act two. I'm Jessica, the only child, and uh, I'm slowly making my way into becoming a permanent host of this podcast. So thanks for having me. No problem. I love that kind of um, meandering, strange, uh, like very obscure sort of reference there. But like, it's perfect and it's you and I love it. This is all Um, part of my plan. So this is not the first parasite that you would have pulled off for people that may not know. You know, Andrew got a job at a movie theater, then got his cousin a job, then his cousin got his girlfriend a job, and then got his other friend a job. (laughs) It ended up being like 10 people connected to Andrew Perucho's (laughs) point of origin. How many of those people are in our listener base? All of them. All of I them. would imagine. I love yeah. it. They all so that's why this. you said if you don't know, so because a lot of the people listening do know this. Yeah, most yeah. of the people listening probably know of Andrew Perch's story. <laughs> Andrew, in case any of the listeners don't know you or what you're all about, like, what's your elevator pitch, man? Sell me on yourself. Um, just a regular guy who, you know, likes movies, <laughs> collects posters, um... You know, starts movie starts slash poster magazine company. Yeah, starts a magazine in the middle of a, a pandemic, and uh, yeah, invites their friends to you know jump on board, which you guys have totally have done and helped out. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, strung strumming along here. Just a boy looking at a movie poster, asking it to love him. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, I, I think my favorite thing is to just put people on the spot by asking them, like, to sum up themselves as a person on a podcast. And you just did a great job doing that, Andrew. Um, yeah, as Andrew said, Andrew is one of the the founders of Layered Butter. Um, do you have a title? Like, are you the, like, chief art director or something? Oh, I thought that was end of sentence. Are you the chief art? I was like, I would love it. That. <laughs> I'd sold. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, update my LinkedIn to that. Um, I, I'd, I'd say I'd be the creative director slash founder slash owner slash whatever. Very cool. Um, Andrew and I were also the uh, co-founders of a... Um, now defunct film club. Yes, a now defunct film club at a former workplace. Uh, good times. Good times making people watch weird movies that they didn't want to watch. But I digress. We've been chatting enough about Andrew and all that he brings to the table. Uh, we should hop right into this episode. Um, we have a couple housekeeping items right up at the top that we wanted to get to. The first and foremost being, hey, you, if you're listening to this and you enjoy this and you haven't rated it, go rate it. Wherever you rate it. I don't care. iTunes, Spotify, um, Maybe just open up Google and type in a review. I think that'll work. 
yeah, email us. Email like all the people that you would normally use as like a reference if you're looking for a job. Email them the podcast. Um, when was the last time you guys rated a podcast, and what did you rate it for? Because I'm honestly bad at this. I skip by this every single time. So don't be like me, fellow listener. Actually, feel guilt and actually go and do something. Um, so if it's like I I, ha- I do rate podcast if it is not owned by like a big media company. So it's like, does the daily need my ratings? I think not. You know, but if it's and like the, the listeners don't know that we're like. Uh, actually owned by disney right that's still under yeah that's on the dl we haven't announced that publicly yet so but you know like i have friends who have done podcasts and whenever they ask for it i definitely go and do it because you know it is it's nice to support uh people's uh passion projects i guess so if you're listening to this that was my subtle hint as to please go go do that and help us out Mm -hmm. uh other housekeeping items um this month's patreon trading card is by uh, Eileen Steinbach. Uh, it is a art card um, featuring art around the movie Tenet. Uh, this is a this reveal is a podcast exclusive. Um, so go you privileged listener, go get your art card. Um, I feel like I'm not really selling. I mean, yeah, if that cards, hasn't maybe. sold you, yeah, you know, you still have the chance <laughs> to get it. I love it. I, I love don't it. know if people know this. I mean, we've said it every episode, but we have been giving away a free trading card every month to all our patrons. Um, you can support any tier. There's one that is low as $3 a month. $3 a month, like you probably drop $3 a month, you know, like just on the floor. So if you can just pick that up and give it to us, you'll be uh, the proud owner of a monthly trading card, which this month is uh, Eileen's version of Tenet, which is really cool. I love it. It's like, uh, it's like, think of it like an NFT, but it's in real life and um, just as exclusive. Uh, If you thought that like the Pokemon based cards were going for a lot of money, just hold on to these in like 20 years. Uh, you will be rich beyond your wildest yeah. dreams. <laughs> exactly. It's like an NFT, except that it's not the end part. So it's just an FT. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fungible uh, token. In other news, we have our, uh, we're taking pre-orders for our Studio Ghibli issue. That's very exciting. So go pre-order that so we can move forward with that for production. Um, I think that's all we've got in terms of general housekeeping. Do you guys want to talk spicy news stories or or what? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So first news story, um, Olivia Wilde was served some uh, divorce papers on while she was on stage uh, doing something for a a presentation of some kind. Uh, This is very awkward. I don't know how you feel about being part of the internet mob. Um, gleefully like tearing through this like very weird and private thing for her Mm -hmm. how do we feel i mean we're recording this on tuesday and it was like the day that tmz released the video of it so now if you're listening to this you can definitely find footage of olivia wilde like 
happily and cheerfully describing her her movie that she's about to screen i think or show a preview of um that stars her partner harry styles going down on florence Pugh for all the fans and anyway she's like she gets interrupted and then she's handed an envelope and she's like i think she thinks it's a script it's very weird but she like decides to open it in the middle of her speech and then she's like oh I, I know what this is or something like that and then she just kind of sheepishly pushes put puts it away um i think he said it was divorce papers i think it's custody related papers so not specifically divorce but i guess of the divorce nature when i first heard this this story i was like i don't understand why jason sudeikis is being given a hard time here when he probably just paid a company to go and do this but then i since then i guess we found out a little bit more it's like to get into this convention place like you have to pay like fourteen hundred dollars right so that seems doubtful that the the people serving these papers would have done that with no assistance and or knowledge that olivia wilde was going to be there which probably from Jason Sudeikis. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I kind of feel icky around this whole thing. And mostly because when I wanted to to talk about this and investigate a little bit, I went to TMZ and then I scrolled down through what seemed like infinite amount of stories. And I was like, this industry of talking about celebrities is just like overall corrupting the soul of us as a society like it is nothing articles that contribute nothing to society and like i don't know it's not even like a dopamine hit it's like the opposite of a dopamine hit to to talk about like what's going on in celebrities lives yeah uh, i don't know what the chemical opposite of dopamine is but that's a that's a good way to put it just a little little hit of poison that makes you worse and makes the person who you you who wrote the story a little bit worse I don't know. It's, uh, I guess is 2022 the year of, um, celebrities being, uh, given shocking things on stage, either in the form of being served <laughs> papers or, um, Will Smith's hand to their face. Uh, I hope that I was going to say what else is going to happen, but I hope we don't see any more. Uh, Andrew, what do you think on this? Um, yeah, to mirror what Rod said, I think it was just a very unfortunate situation. I, it's, um, when I first, read about it i i thought is i can't believe this is something that someone would do on like you know um just think about how many um days like olivia wilde has like worked on this project of hers this is her first film or is it I, I don't, she I don't. did book smart too right oh, okay was it book smart is that the one the one with the two girls yeah mm-hmm. so like and then the so working on this film and then having the pandemic happen and so all of the delays and then you know, being finally able to be excited to, you know, share this work with uh, a bunch of uh, uh, people in the audience. And then getting this really embarrassing thing happen to you is just very unfortunate. I don't think anyone comes out of this looking um, like very good, like Jason and Olivia as well, because apparently not to like shift blame, but like uh, people who serve these papers only do these uh, if like you're dodging them or something and I don't know what the whole backstory of this is but it must have been drastic for them to you know buy a ticket to Vegas and buy a $1,400 ticket to do this very public thing to her um, and then of course Jason doesn't also look at this like very um, he doesn't come out of this very, looking very nicely right so it's just a very icky thing and uh, it's very unfortunate that something like this is uh, controlling the uh, airwaves right now the part that confused me is that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's my perception of, like, rich people informed by Hollywood, but I think rich people have lawyers, and then 
it's like they definitely got a divorce, so they must have a divorce lawyer. I don't know. Could they not do it through lawyers? Like, could could he yeah, have not them for, right? served these papers to her lawyer? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know too I don't much understand. About it. I'm not a lawyer. Maybe I shouldn't be speaking about yeah. legal matters, but it just seemed overly complicated for people who don't often do things directly. Like, I can't imagine, like, Jason Sudeikis is out here, like, cleaning his own house. So it's weird to think that, like, he has to go, you know, like, he's trying to give it to her in person as opposed to doing it through their multiple assistants and whatnot, team of people that they have. Yeah, I don't know the legality of it. Uh, if you're a lawyer, um, <laughs> include the information about your knowledge on this when in your review, in your five-star review. Tell us how and why these things. I would suspect it has something to do with, like, it becomes a ticking, like, once it can be confirmed that it was handed off to the person, then th- maybe there's, like, a responsibility on their end to actually respond within a given amount of time or something, as opposed to just saying, like, oh, I don't know, I don't I haven't gotten that email yet or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I also, don't know. I just want to say that if you haven't seen the footage of Olivia Wilde, like it is mm-hmm. like 4K footage, as in it's yeah. some cinema con employee like sold it to TMZ. And it's just like more, uh, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, like kindling to the fire that is like the celebrity trash culture that that is out there. Super gross. Um, I feel like you said, I feel gross just having looking at the sidebar of TMZ and the other stories. And now I've already clicked on one of them <laughs> and should not have. Um, and I won't even say what it's about cause that's just feeding the beast. But in other news, uh, we, an interesting story that came up about, uh, Netflix, obviously Netflix being in the news lately about, um, them not having the best time over there. Uh, some negative news stories that came out. Uh, I think we talked about some of this last week. And uh, this recent headline was that uh, Netflix India was set to cut uh, something like 90% of all of their most recently ordered shows or um, things that they had in the pipeline. Um which is a pretty big cut to Netflix India, I imagine. And I know, Rodrigo, you had previously talked about how um, Netflix stood out from some of the other streaming companies and, and services as uh, really catering to the non-English audience. So do you do you have any thoughts on on this other than maybe just sadness? Uh, I mean, I I think even if they do cut, it's going to be like a cut and a pause and rethink the strategy. Like Netflix has about two hundred million, I think, subscribers across the world, which is vastly more than any of its competitors. And I think a lot of people were looking at Netflix and wondering, like, where is the ceiling? Right? Like at one point, you will hit a ceiling, no matter who you are, no matter what strategy you have. That. Uh, a certain amount of people have subscribed. And I think, you know, for for many people seeing the success of Netflix, um, you know, it's like uh, network television shows and so on. They're, they're thinking, okay, cool. So, like, how do we get into the streaming game, right? And, you know, people started pulling, like, ABC all started pulling their content from, from Netflix or, like, NBC started pulling their content from Netflix because they want it to be on Peacock or they want it to be on Disney Plus or so on. And I think seeing Netflix hit that ceiling at that point has made people pause and rethink the strategy of what it's going to be going forward. Like ultimately in the long run, I think this will balance out into less streamers total, right? Like if the market can sustain uh, like Netflix, Disney plus Peacock, uh, CNN plus, which got canceled recently, 
crave hbo you know like all of these like it doesn't it, it's not realistic especially during a recession when people are or i guess like during high inflation costs when people are not able to have more expendable income that they're going to be able to pay seventeen thousand different monthly fees right so at the end of the day they have to start consolidating and figuring out like a new strategy and i think like that's really the biggest takeaway that i i get from this like you know a lot of said about like yeah like netflix this or that but i think at some point every company is going to hit a ceiling like you know disney amazon prime have some advantages well not so much disney i would say apple tv and amazon prime have some advantage that their streaming service are tied to other products really right so it's like if you're in an apple environment you end up getting like an apple tv for a year every time you buy a new product if you're you you pay for amazon prime it's like you can't cancel just the video portion of amazon prime without not canceling like your prime service for delivery and stuff right so to that extent i think they have like a bit of a more solid uh, base but it's like other channels or so on if they're not able to keep on putting out content that is relevant they're also going to hit a ceiling at some point and it's probably going to be far lower than netflix so i mean it's i i think industry insiders would say that seeing netflix encounter these issues is complicated for all of them not just netflix and it's going to make them rethink how they how they do what they do right because you know like in in 2021 netflix spent about 17 billion creating shows which is a huge huge amount of money and so if they see that like and, and they put that money into thinking that like they're going to get a lot of money back. And so they start hitting a ceiling and they have to slow down and think, okay, so like now where do we invest our money? Is it like the circle and uh, selling sunset or is it into like Ozark and other prestige shows like that? Like where does it make sense? So I think it, it's kind of um, disappoint. It's a disappointing headline to read, but I don't think it would be like in the long term indicative of like a, a lack of desire to invest, but rather just pausing to rethink where it makes sense to, to put your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the saturation of, we've been talking a lot about, this in general this past year but the saturation of streaming and uh, maybe some of the overvaluation of these streaming companies where a lot of the money just seemed like it was investors coming in with the idea that like oh it's going to continue to grow forever and ever and now some of that forever is maybe not looking like you know maybe netflix is at peak um and yeah i think it's i think it's interesting uh, hopefully they are, like you said, investing it in maybe more wise directions. Um, and our last story that we wanted to, to feature in, sorry, Andrew, I didn't let you speak about Netflix unless you, you have any thoughts. Nope. No thoughts. I have Just... one, one last thought. If you have a mm-hmm. Netflix account, go watch the show Heartstopper. It is uh, potentially maybe for younger people. I saw it and I'm like, this is kind of like melancholic that, you know, young teens get to watch the show. But it's based on my favorite thing ever, a comic book, a web comic in this case. But you can buy the collected printed editions. Um, it's absolutely brilliant it's short i would it's like eight 30 minute episodes it is like sweet it is uh you know in this like dark cynical world that we live in it is like pure saccharine and positivity so if you're looking for something to cheer you up go watch these two sweet kids fall in love that sounds so nice i'll have to check that out who doesn't want more feel good in their lives um if you're, if you're feeling bad or in a weird place after watching The Northman, come home and watch Heartstopper. 
and the last story that we just wanted to touch on was uh, the fact that Russia, who has been uh, in some ways um, rightfully isolated and uh, shut out from um, most of the entertainment world after their invasion of Ukraine, um, is apparently returning to some of their old Soviet-era tactics in terms of uh, illegally streaming and watching, or uh, not streaming, but um, basically they have movie theaters and they are taking bootleg copies of movies that they are not allowed to watch, um, and they are streaming it for the public. Uh, I think this is... It's interesting. I, I guess there's absolutely nothing that Hollywood can do in a situation like this because they can't. Um, I don't think they're in a place to go after like these Russian companies anyway, even if they wanted to. Um, but it's interesting how, despite it all, uh, art comes through. Um, and I think art finds a way. And I, I think uh, I, I once had a coworker who had grown up in... Cuba and she had talked about her brother in Cuba who had friends that would smuggle in like USB drives full of just like thousands of um songs and albums and stuff that that they were either not allowed to get or just couldn't get access to um I guess in some ways it's heartening that this can happen through technology um it's also just weird to think of people going to see like the Batman and watching um, like a bootleg version of it with like the, you know, the kind that we've all seen from sketchy torrent websites or whatever. Is this all being um, like done underground? Cause I know like Russia being a communist state, obviously they wouldn't approve of the general public to watch these North American or Western movies. So are you uh, telling me that, these I don't think that's necessarily true. Russia's, I mean, I don't, I'm not by no means a Russian historian, but Russia is like a weird mix of state controlled, but they're not, you know, they're not as closed off as like North Korea, for example. Okay. And that's kind of like the leverage that some of these places have, right? They're cutting off Russians from things that they're accustomed to being able to use gotcha. and, and, dis- and enjoy. And so there's kind of like a, a fail safe or stopgap for that. Um, I wonder actually the contrary, as in, you know, typically bootlegs involve like very kind of underground Mm -hmm. networks of of people involved in the business. And I wonder here, because it is really like the Russian Association of Theaters or whoever that's in charge that's kind of officially playing these bootlegs, if they have any leverage to be able to reach out to people in these companies and like, you know, pay some high amounts to be able to get like a a high res version of like what would be sent on a DCP to other like digital theaters. Because otherwise, like, what are they? What are they playing? Like the the cam, the, mm-hmm. the you know, like the four eighty cam version that somebody uploads like on a Saturday when the movie comes out, because that seems pretty shit. But if they are able to get like some four K, like HD kind of version, you know, I would say that people are probably still enjoying what they're seeing. And it's interesting that it's for those theaters in Russia, they are now. Um able to keep a hundred percent of the profits. Like they're not right. having to split it with any Nothing kind of studio. studios. Um, I, I wonder, cause I know um, some studios like Disney and that will notably edit their movies for international releases. Uh, you know, like editing out any mention or uh, on screen, like gay characters or things like that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if edits like this, like are these theater companies going to go out and like, edit out those things or 
could the Russian public end up getting? Um, like secret hacker m- messages in, in their movies. <laughs> no, not even. Well, I guess I'm just saying that like, because it's no longer being like officially distributed through yeah. say Disney who would edit out Are these things gonna, in order yeah. to make a kosher, they could mm-hmm. just end up not being edited altogether. I have no idea to what degree that could happen. I mean, it does also seem kind of like on the editing movie front that they are being a little bit firmer. Like I know uh, Doctor Strange is coming out this weekend. So by the time you listen to this, it's out already. But uh, like a big thing is that I guess one of the characters has like lesbian moms and just mentions it. And then it's like this movie's not going to be playing in a bunch of countries because they refuse to cut that part, that line out. Mm-hmm. And I think something similar happened um with Spider-Man that uh, I think they wanted to edit out the Statue of Liberty and then I guess Sony or Marvel said no and then it just didn't play in China because they they didn't want that well good for for Marvel Um, I think we had criticized Disney and Marvel for caving into some of these Mm -hmm. um, unreasonable demands uh, in our in our viewpoint unreasonable demands from these uh, countries Um, so it's good that they can, you know, put their uh, take the hit on their wallet to stand up for something. Yeah, I, I would agree. love to see like the Russian cut of like these movies that don't end up getting like that end up getting edited, and like to see what they would do to kind of bypass censorship. Because um, <laughs> I feel like that would be super interesting. Like I, feel I like also want to see the... with you know removing things and mixing some scenes around and you know interjecting some dialogue from like a different person's voice and you could totally tell that it was like shoehorned in i wonder if somebody's also downloading like youtube trailers and then throwing them at the beginning you know like just downloading corporate trailers throwing them up doing giving the full experience to just get some of those like fake fan-made trailers for movies that don't actually exist yet Uh, i like the idea of like the theater you know manager or employees like recording yeah um like re-recording some of the dialogue to like do the the russian voiceover or whatever Mm -hmm. that the studio would normally produce uh just like the night before the movie comes out (laughs) it's like uh jack black and be kind rewind and like how we kind of like remixed some of the scenes in in like popular movies so that could be that's one i'd like to i'd like to revisit uh, so I think that takes us to the end of our news stories. Uh, after a quick break, we are going to be chatting all things Northmen. So get hyped for that. The Laird Butter Podcast is brought to you by another podcast. That's right. Your podcast is in another castle is everyone's favorite video game podcast. Brand new podcast. Uh, IGN who to be honest every week join Jordan Diego and yours truly in a weekly adventure where we tackle the latest video game stories answer all the important questions and have some fun chatting with friends no find your podcasts in another castle on all your favorite podcast places and uh, make sure to check them out on social media at another castle CA all right and we're back and as we stated up front this review of Northman is going to be completely full of spoilers. So uh, if you're still listening and you want to see it, uh, I'd recommend going to see it. Uh, but in this case, I will also say that I don't think this is a movie that you can necessarily spoil for yourself. I think a lot of it is just going to be in the enjoyment of the the visceral experience. Um, but can I make a suggestion? Said, go see it. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Andrew. If you're gonna if you're gonna say a spoiler, you should like howl like a wolf. <laughs> that way, people I... know to like mute the. Mute Is that in mics. itself not a spoiler? You didn't howl like a wolf before <laughs> telling people that there's wolf-related content in this movie. This this seems like cruel to our listeners across the board. If they're like, oh, if they're okay, really, like super dedicated and want their layered butter podcast fix, and you know they just want to hear us talk, um, oh, they could work. Let us know uh, how it worked for you. <laughs> decent suggestion um as host i'm going to reject that idea and just say we can just talk without with uh, without howling <laughs> unless you just feel compelled by the movie but anyway uh so robert eggers eggers that's how you say it i, I hesitate every eggman. time i say this man's name yeah. robert eggman his third feature film first one being the witch mm-hmm. the second one being the lighthouse and now we have the northman um I believe he said this was the third movie in his The Trilogy. So we'll see. We'll see if the next... <laughs> I completely made up that fact. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this is another um, long and uh, very... Uh, not ponderous, but um, very deliberate movie by Eggers. Um, I, I guess before we just hop right into Northman, maybe we could just talk about our our thoughts on his previous films i know we have varied uh experience and some of us haven't seen all of them but andrew why don't you you kick things off what uh what did you think of the witch and the lighthouse um yeah the first time i kind of uh discovered the witch was uh during i forgot what year it came out but it was a movie that premiered at tiff or screened at tiff and uh i didn't know robert eggers back then but i was just more looking for like a horror fix and when i uh, read the description for the witch it was like oh okay this is probably the closest horror thing that like i could watch uh this this uh this year at the festival so i went in blind and i ended up really liking it and and that was it's funny because that's the movie that kind of ushered in like the a24 slow burn methodical horror that like mm-hmm. everyone seems to like dig or so i don't know if eggers was kind of the one that kind of um put it in the mainstream um but uh, I think that's the one that kind of ushered in like the A24 uh, horror genre. So uh, I love The Witch. And then I was excited that The Lighthouse, um, which is his second movie, came to TIFF as well, I think in 2018. Um, and then I, I just... Uh, bit of a hot take i d- didn't like that one um i thought it was too hard to kind of understand i also saw it on like a imax screen so it was just also like you should tell overload. people that you fall asleep at every movie at tiff you've ever been to except so. for this one i was like really like super <laughs> invested <laughs> so you were by this one you mean the 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 lighthouse or yeah the lighthouse um so you were super invested um it was at it, this it, IMAX it's also screen, like really hard were... to like sleep uh, when like the sound systems like blaring. I, also, like I just remember that Robert Eggers was there. Um, he like introduced the film, so that was like pretty cool. But yeah, I left kind of disappointed um, watching the lighthouse because um, I think he leaned too much into uh, I guess just like the fantastical, and it kind of 
it was hard to follow. Um, and then uh, it being in an IMAX theater, I think I was just overwhelmed by like the spectacle. So um, I mean, I've only seen it once. So and I have, I have like a it's funny I have a history with Rodrigo about this movie. Uh, we always fight, or we had like a really epic fight in the middle of like a party. Uh, yeah. Total film bro moment. It kind of harkens back to the. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the TikTok or is it? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, a TikTok now, but it was a video TikTok. before. You're- yeah, what, what was the other platform, social media platform that was like six second videos? Vine. Vine. Yeah, I don't know if it originated from Vine, but it was basically. I think the, it's longer than six seconds. Yeah. Okay. I, for people, I guess we've been teasing this out. Just yeah. like, it's very reminiscent <laughs> of the video where the guy is like angry about the the wicked witch of the. No, it's like actually sorry the good the other the sister the witch right yeah yeah <laughs> whether or not she's a. a, a uh, very passionate and or uh, not yeah and so it, uh, subscribe to our patreons if you guys are interested <laughs> if you want to see uh, us we'll, reenact yeah, we'll that in more fights <laughs> it's hilarious because like, like the camera work is just phenomenal it just I goes mean, back I stand to me by the fact that uh, I don't think that you were listening to what I was saying in the sense that I was not criticizing yep. the lighthouse because I at that point and still to this day have not seen it but rather my argument was that you said it was a good movie but that you didn't understand the story and so I was questioning whether a movie can be said to be good if you don't understand the story because I mean I feel like you could say the cinematography is good yeah but to me it seemed like like a movie has to be a composition of all its parts and so if you didn't get one part like how could you still give it a positive review but neither here nor there Listen, I guess for the conversation of this who loves Tron Legacy and loves Grease 2 over the original and, and I don't begrudge you that I mean I don't agree with you but it's like correct. you're allowed to have that opinion like my yeah. opinion was not that no one should like the lighthouse but rather that you in saying that you don't understand the story how can you still say that you like the movie again I like, let's move on yeah, I don't know yeah, let's move I, past that conversation before we reenact it yeah. one more time alive <laughs> again, uh, I have not Patreon. seen the lighthouse I have also not seen the Witch, yeah. which I'm also only now learning that it is the witch and not the vi- witch. I guess isn't it like V V? It's stylized as double V. Full I think it's, it's to the new yeah New England way of, of speaking. Or I think it harkens writing. back to a time when um uh, like typesetters didn't even have a W key. They mm-hmm. just put like a V twice. Um, so no one in this movie says the witch. Witch. No, no. Uh, okay. nobody heavy does. Accents. <laughs> Right? I was all this time, I guess, misled by this uh, <laughs> this stylistic choice. Uh, my familiarity with uh, the the movies of. I guess Robert, Robert Eggers, Eggers have to do with the fact that I edited an issue of Modern Horror that we put out of w- in which mm. uh, in, in which the witch was uh, mentioned and you know like the lighthouse was was talked about. Um, I also saw interviews about how he hates the goat from the witch and how it was like the worst thing on set ever. It did not listen to anything that anybody said, and so he would never work with a goat again, which just seems like good advice for most filmmakers. And so I went into the Northman like pretty, I guess, virginal in terms of like my interactions with Robert Eggers it was like a brand new net new experience and uh, I can just say that uh, I also saw The Witch and uh, I think it technically is it's listed as a 2015 movie but it's one of those didn't actually get wide release until 2016 Uh, I remember seeing that in theaters I really liked it it was one of those movies I you know made some friends watch because I was so into it Um, and then The Lighthouse came out and I think that was the last time I watched a movie where I like we invited people over and watched it. Uh, oh, no. This would have been like right before the pandemic, um, and it was great. We were all on board. We loved it. Uh, I had uh, we watched the Blu-ray of it, and it was it was a real experience. Um, 
I, I like both of them. I'm, I'm definitely on board with Robert Eggers. Uh, very particular style that he has. His, um, I, I guess we can dig into it more when we when we talk about the Northmen, but he certainly has a way of um, maybe producing on screen or replicating on screen um, things that are important in folklore and myth and legend or religion um, in, in some senses too. Um, so I was I was anticipating the Northmen. I, I wasn't sure. It definitely looked like a bigger, big budget version of, of Robert Eggers. Um, and I think in some ways that's exactly what we got. So, uh, the, the Northmen, um, I think we are about what, two weeks out from when the three of us got to see this together at the Canadian premiere at the, the, the light box in Toronto. And, uh, I, I enjoyed my experience with it quite a bit. I think it does sit slightly lower in esteem than, than the lighthouse and the witch. Um, which is to say it's like a four and a half out of five instead of a five out of five. Um, but I have been thinking about it since I saw it. So it's stuck in my head. Um, and I liked it and I've been enjoying, uh, hearing other people talk about it, but how about you guys? What was your, that first watch like, uh, Andrew, why don't you, you walk us through? Yeah. The first watch, um, I re- ended up first, really liking it. Did, did you say uh, sorry. Sorry, you said first watch? Is this? Have you seen it again since then? No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. Uh, since, still accurate. Still yeah, your yeah, first yeah. watch. Um, yeah. When the movie ended, I ended up really liking it. I, I thought it's a lot more different than his first two, um, in the sense that it's. Uh, is it safe to say it's more commercial than the other than 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 like the other two, where it's like it's more easier to follow the the this revenge story. Um, it, it was. I would say definitely more so than the lighthouse, which it doesn't really have a, a singular plot that you could focus on. Um, yeah. Both the both the lighthouse and the witch to me feels like they could have been adapted from like short stories. Correct. And the, I mean, I think this one too, right? It, it was like the inspiration for uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, I think so. I think so. This is based off of a a very old Norse, Nordic folktale, like Nordic legend. Yeah, uh, which I believe they have traced back, saying that um, that Hamlet was Hamlet yeah. took inspiration from this story, which is why. Uh, and I guess we can dig into um, some of the cast for this. So, uh, as we said, the movie is directed by uh, Robert Eggers. Um, it stars Alexander Skarsgård as the titular Northman. Um, Alexander is he the tallest of the Skarsgård? I think I looked this up. The he's greatest in stature of the Skarsgård family. Um, it also stars uh, Anya Taylor Joy. And uh, Nicole Kidman, um, Ethan Hawke, and a number of other people, including Willem Dafoe and Bjork, as uh, some standout cameo appearances. Um, what what did we think of? Um, I guess why don't we hop into Alexander Skarsgård, the the titular Northman? Did he bring it? Did you believe he was a Northman? I mean, I think he is a Northman, right? Like, are Swedish people not <laughs> Viking descendant? Like, I can't, I can't imagine that it gets too too far away from what he would look like. I guess maybe 
I did read something about how like most Vikings didn't have long hair in reality, but that was just like a choice that they decided to keep for this movie of giving them a lot of long hair. Um, I think he did a good job. I like I gave this movie overall a three point five out of five, which I guess ranks to me as a good movie. Um, I thought it was also pretty straightforward in the sense that like my, it seemed like a movie like my dad would love. I think he's big on these like action yeah. movies about like revenge or justice, kind of like mm-hmm. the Gladiator or or whatever, something like that, right? Um, I don't I, like I. I think like the acting is one place where I can't find a single fault. Like I think everybody did a really, really good job. You know, um, I think maybe uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's role was like a little bit reduced, I think, compared to other people. So she had less to do. But I think Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Nicole Kidman were really big standouts. Like you said, um, you know, Willem Dafoe and Bjork were very minor roles, but they both did a lot with what they were given. Um, yeah, and no, overall, I think acting wise, it was uh, pretty stellar. And I mean, I guess... Uh uh, Rodrigo, I gave Andrew the chance to just talk about his experience, but I, I totally skipped you. I'm sorry, man. What, what, like, tell us about this 3.5. What's, um, yeah, what's your it. take on? And, and I'd like to hear, you know, your thoughts on the other Edgar movies, Edgar's movies, once you are able to, to give those a shot. But, um, having just seen this one, um, what, what are your thoughts on it? So when I was watching it, I had no knowledge whatsoever of, um, of the source material, uh, which, like you mentioned, is this legend of Amleth, and then it struck it struck me immediately as like very Shakespearean, is what it felt like, right? Like this kind of um, like a prince that was taken away like somebody usurped the role of the king and then he's like living all his life to try to get back into it it's also the plot of the lion king which is one of my favorite movies which is inspired by hamlet which is inspired by amleth etc so it's like all the same kind of story again and again um where it kind of loses me is that I feel like it's almost too obsessed in the details of like this is what Viking culture was like it, it, I mentioned I think when we left that it, it felt almost like a little bit too didactic like we were watching a documentary at times it's like there's scenes where we were just panning on like uh, Alexander Skarsgård swimming breaststroke and I feel like, is that what we're saying, though? Like, is, is this the point of showing us this, that the Vikings were swimming? That's how they swam? Because I don't I also don't know why we need, like, a full minute just, like, close-up of him swimming. And not just once. It was, like, three times, I think, in the film they showed Vikings swimming breaststroke. And it's, like, this seems like a fact that somebody told him that it's, like you know vikings this is this is how they swam and it's like okay i'm going to show it over and over and over again or like there's other parts where it felt like it could have been tightened and it, it just feels like it's mostly just there to show us like yeah this is what viking culture was like and i guess it's like kind of to me you 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 it feels like two different things, right? Like you can either tell me like a tight story narratively, or you can show me all these like kind of extraneous details that you want to show me, but you can't both be like a tight script and show me all the, the flowery details at the same time. So that part didn't work for me. I think like where it got the most interesting is when it was kind of venturing almost into like a, a fantasy slash video game kind of imagination in a part. Like that's where it felt like the least kind of Shakespearean or the least like a documentary. And that was really cool to me, but it didn't have enough of that at the end, like when, when the movie wrapped up, 
and I think we talked a little bit about this, like, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, but the big twist of, of the movie ends up being that Nicole Kidman was not kidnapped. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård's mom was not kidnapped, but rather like a co-conspirator of the betrayal that ends up uh, happening to uh, Amlet's dad. Right. Mm-hmm. And at some point it's like, there's like ravens like hounding her and, you know like I don't think you need to read too much like Edgar Allan Poe or Shakespeare to know like what that means and so that would have like more payoff if you couldn't see it coming but if you're like paying attention like even like the surprise of that is kind of spoiled and so I think like uh, screenplay wise, screenplay wise, like it's nothing too special, right? It's not bad. It's good, and even I think I, I I'm not trying to be overly negative. I think three point five is a good rating. It's that's kind of where it is to me, right? Like it's seven out of ten. It's it's good. I enjoyed it. It's just like it didn't like blow my mind. And I think you know, if anything, it was like uh, a weaker script that was like elevated by like really good direction and you know really good acting. How much? Do you guys think a lot of the problems that were that you've mentioned, Rod? I mean, not all of it would probably fall on this, but how much do you think some of it would fall under, you know, Robert Eggers, like this being his first feature film that, you know, has like a bigger budget and is not working with a indie studio label or sorry, not a studio label, but like a... Well, I haven't seen the other ones, but I have heard it mentioned that he absolutely loves a deep dive into the reality of where his movies are being portrayed. Like, I think even to the point where language can feel a bit alienating because he wants it to be like factually perfect Mm -hmm. and and so on and so it does seem like this is what he enjoys doing it's like it's not that I I fault him in that making the Viking setting realistic but it's rather it's like almost like he spent too much time with his camera pointing specifically at the little details as opposed to them just just letting them be like details in the background that are just enhancing it and uh, like to me it felt like at times he like really grabbed his camera and I was like look at this like scene right here that is really showing how <laughs> Vikings did this or you know so I, I, that part kind of lost me but I think I don't know I guess uh, how did you guys did that bother you did you guys care did you guys really enjoy like you know his focus on details yeah jordan you want to go first on this yeah uh i mean i did enjoy what i i guess i didn't i didn't notice some of those exact details that you were talking about or at least i wasn't pulled out of the story like i i wasn't necessarily thinking um oh this must be like the swimming for example like i didn't think like oh this breaststroke must have been how they had recordings of how Vikings did that, and that's why we're seeing it in such like yeah. specific detail. Um, like the other part too, I guess, kind of related to that was like the Quidditch match or whatever it was that they ended up having. Like that seemed like <laughs> yeah, this is the sport that the Vikings played at the time. Yeah, and it went on. I forever. did enjoy that. I, I'm well. I'm glad that we got that sport without you know um, something Holy to shit, to Eggers. About that scene. <laughs> to Eggers' credit, yeah. Uh, the I think other filmmakers might have, you know, they would have had a side character who like was telling the little boy, like how the sport works or something like, Oh yeah, well you see this person has to do that. But like, we didn't get any of that. We, we, you know, we watched the sport a little bit and we got an understanding of how it worked. You beat the shit out of each other and then you throw the ball at the the pole. Um, so I was glad that that it was kept pretty stripped down. Um, I don't know. I I guess I I didn't have that reaction to it. Uh, I will say my, my negative reaction and it wasn't very negative. It was more just that I felt like 
very surprised at how quickly uh, the Northman Amleth gets. Um, he essentially he becomes a what like a sleeper agent, a sleeper agent slave in his uh, uncle's um, shitty new farm kingdom, and and then he's just kind of terrorizing them. And I I don't know. There was something sort of. Um, uh, maybe not like a letdown, but it, I had thought that it was probably going to be one of those adventure movies where he's like, you know, biding his time, like maybe like gathering the together. And Pumbaa scene yeah, before like coming back to the Pride Lands. Exactly, and you know, he needed to like learn something, or he needed to like convince some people. He needed to win an army of his own to go challenge his uncle. Um, maybe it's a stronger film for having avoided some of those cliches. And we already did sort of get the big, you know, epic um, him being part of the the raiding party that happened right at like within the first what twenty five minutes or so. Um, but in some ways, that was the highlight of the the movie in terms of action. Maybe up until the uh, volcano uh, naked sword fight that the movie ended with, um, I'd say it's it's not something that I'm necessarily going to revisit anytime soon. Um, I was pleasantly surprised about it being fairly restrained in terms of the violence. Um, I had sort of thought that like seeing the trailer and knowing that Robert Eggers was probably going to go for a full hard R rating. I, I thought that it might've been more violent than it was. There was still some good gore. There was still some like fairly shocking violence, but it didn't feel overly gratuitous about it yeah i think uh, he had like um a really deft tact i think like even there there's i I think we all know that like vikings were really like rapists and pillagers when they were going into like new new towns right and taking over and so like that is i don't know if even implied it's like more than implied it's like shown what the the way that they're kind of like dividing the women and like putting these into different groups and that they're going to kill a bunch and but and yet at the same time it's not like the gratuitous scene it's like we don't need to see it right like we know that through like what we've read and so on and so i think he was good about being able to pull back and like you know you don't need to see this again i guess maybe counter argument to what i was just saying where he was like really pointing out every detail i'm happy to zoom in on that one part uh, of of the movie but I do think like I kind of loved it more at the very beginning or I guess kind of like in near the beginning when he is like uh, you know going into these towns and like kicking ass and so on I think like there's a little bit of a believability gap there when it's like he goes to his uncle's like shitty farm and he's like a huge jacked up slave and it's like who's committing all these violent acts like i don't know maybe that tower of a man that you just brought in yesterday like could be doing some of it but like and so that was like a bit of a jump i guess for me but i think like in the beginning when they were kind of like in these like violent little actions at the takeovers of towns kind of thing like i think that's like when the movie was shining the the most yeah i do wonder if there's some sort of missing scene or something that was edited out um closer to the end because it felt like there was uh there was sort of a clumsy moment where um he they know like he had already he was, so he reveals himself to his mother there's a shocking twist that his mother didn't really care about him was not you know hoped that he had died in uh the betrayal and the overthrow of his father that had happened 
uh, did not care for his father, considered him a child of, of rape. Um, and she herself was a slave taken by his father. And that felt like he was, that she had been rescued by her, um, by his uncle, her now husband. Um, and we kind of get, uh, probably, I think probably the standout scene in the movie for me, um, a lot of people I've heard talk about Nicole Kidman's performance in the scene. Um, she looks absolutely wild. And, uh, I, I think, um, like just the way she confronts him and like turns on him and then she tries to kiss him. Like, uh, it's a, it's a real, real wild scene. Anyway, all this happens and then he, he leaves her and, uh, they know. So he's, he's revealed. Um, and he talks to Anya Taylor Joy's character and says like, well, I'm just going to go hide in the Hills. But like, I think it's obvious, like they know that he's with her so if he leaves her behind, then the exact obvious thing happens, which is uh, the uncle starts killing, uh, interrogating the slaves, gets to her, and then he has to come down and confront them right away. Um, I don't know. That that part of the story did feel a little bit clumsy to me in terms of like just getting things to the next scene, more or less. Um, but I, I guess a fairly minor, minor complaint. Yeah. Um for me, I, I think I was expecting like a, a, um, a similar um, movie to his first two, but I think with this one, because it was so grand and and the it was like truly epic, right? It you don't get that signature Eggers feel where it feels very claustrophobic. So you get that in The Witch, where you're like, um, obviously this family is being haunted by the witch in the forest, and they only are the the story only focuses in the woods and and really just like their their small little settlement, and then the lighthouse. There it really isn't just in the lighthouse and how two guys are going crazy. Uh, in this one, it's like set piece after set piece and after set piece, and so it's like it it, it in a way I think it looked more of like a a video game more than an Eggers movie for me. Um, which I don't know if that's like a criticism or not, but I, I feel like it was, uh, that's where I kind of like land with it, where it's like, I don't know if the grandness of, of the movie kind of like uh, lost Eggers or he kind of lost his voice in, in, in that way, um, where, you know, it's like, it, there's truly a lot. And like, for me, I think if Eggers had full control of this movie, I think he'd really just like stick to, uh, you know, just showing how uh, how the viking way of life would be truly and not really focus much on like the epic storytelling but i don't know i I feel like there's it feels disconnected and discombobulated in that sense where it's like uh the last sequence it's like so it's like in the volcanoes and it's like super cinematic and i'm thinking lion king here where like you know it's like uh it felt a lot like anakin and obi-wan right. on like mustafa or and whatever it's almost when like the i'm not was. used to eggers being like like an like a camp like a eggers uh camera like moving in this sort of way and it felt like uh it felt very eth- ethereal and, and otherworldly and then I, I don't know if that was like good or bad but i i think um that's where it kind of lost me. I mean, it's still really good, but I, I, I guess if, if I was expecting an Eggers movie, I, this one was kind of like, uh, it, it didn't feel like it in a way. It kind of like betrayed his voice, but I don't know. If there's if there's one thing that I, in looking back, that I feel like 
I wish the movie had done more of. It was some of the horror elements that I think he did so well in The Witch and The Lighthouse, um, taking those elements of folklore and really embracing the the, the horrific elements of them. In, in The Lighthouse, there's... Um, minor spoilers for The Lighthouse, there is a mermaid, and it's the most terrifying mermaid I have ever seen depicted in, mm-hmm. in film or anywhere else. Um and in this, I I think we had we had a number of like very striking visuals. Um, I think, uh, and it, I thought it was maybe going to go a little bit further in the direction when um, all the the people in the the little farm place at the end were um, flipping out after being. Uh, I think they were given like a psilocybin mushroom sort of mix. Yeah. Um, but it didn't quite reach that level. Uh, I thought maybe that would be a good opportunity for him to explore some really insane visuals or just people being, you know, maybe embracing like what they see. Um, but we didn't get yeah. that. Yeah, we didn't get any yeah. horror elements uh, or any truly horrific elements as opposed to his previous films. But I don't know. Like, it's, the, the, it's like a different genre altogether, I think, right? Like, with this movie, mm-hmm. like, would you... St- I mean, what genre would you say it is? It feels like an action movie. Okay, to me, so this right? is also like, like my my thing. It's like I think the marketing team completely missed uh, misrepresented this movie because it feels more of like a fantasy movie to me. Like I-, I thought it was like more of like a lot of like Edgar's first two films where it's like kind of like um, would you say a lot of his films are like drama horror or like. Like very uh, psychological, I'm I'd say. Like they're horror as we place them in the modern horror issue. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but like I, I, I would truly... say that they're definitely. Um, I, I don't know if I'd call them dramas. Yeah, no, not, like... not drama. Drama's not the right uh, right uh, genre here. But like, it, it took Suspense. me aback that like there would be a lot of like fantastical elements in this movie. I truly thought it was going to be you know like uh, like what Rod was saying. If you're going to focus on a lot of like these elements that like make or like that are truly faithful to the Nordic. Uh, way of life and i know they have like legends like kind of that talk about like the the uh what do you call that thing the uh the the valhalla the valhalla the valkyries the valkyries at the end and i know they talk about that but it's like can you just stick to one thing like are you trying to do, be a fantasy or are you trying to be more of like you know um faithful to uh, i guess like reality here so i don't know uh, do you guys think the marketing or the trailer kind of like betrayed this movie I don't know what kind of Edgar, what kind of movie. Edgar's I mean, I kind of went in expecting like the Gladiator, uh-huh. and that's kind of yeah. what I got. I don't know. I, I didn't have any experience again with like his previous films, so I wasn't like, I don't know, swayed into thinking it was a horror. I, I, I think you did keep on saying fantasy. I don't know that I would classify this as fantasy only in the sense that i think you are like it's funny because it's like this has a lot of like like religious undertones to it Mm -hmm. which i guess in a way it's its own fantasy but then suddenly it becomes kind of like outside of the genre of fantasy because it isn't like i don't know elves and and dwarves when it's like religious kind of like creatures and so on suddenly it's like uh, fiction i I don't know but it didn't like fantasy to me kind of falls more in like the magic yeah of it, yeah, kind of thing, yeah. and this is more like religious undertones. Like that's where where the fantastical elements come from. So it seemed more like, I guess, like a uh, 
religion-inspired war action kind of film. It, di- it didn't seem, and this is also where I think it's like much more straightforward for people that it didn't seem like a psychological thriller, mm-hmm. which I think some of his other movies are. Mm-hmm. Like this one seems like forward, The Gladiator. Straight, yeah. It seems like Braveheart. It seems it's like obviously with more before. nuance and yeah. like more, more, like more carefully crafted, like more of an artistic take on it. But it seems to me like one of a film yeah. of that genre of like you know Braveheart and The Gladiator and I don't know the Thirteenth Warrior kind of thing. It it's truly is like the hero's journey template, right? Like I know yeah. all movies follow that template, but like it was much more easier to identify from this movie, right? Like it's, um, it's easier to follow. Easier to follow. I mean, especially because that hero's journey mm-hmm. was in, in. I mean, I'm sure they when they were building that idea out like hamlet must have been at the center of that so yeah um wikipedia describes this as a epic historical fiction thriller which i think sounds about Truly right but what, sounds... what does historical fiction imply i guess are we say i guess is, like is it assumed in... that hamlet hamlet was a real uh prince that got his kingdom stolen and so on yeah, like uh, I, I would say his, the historical part is probably just that like it uh, for the it's most part, the reality it's set of the Vikings. In, yeah, it's set in like, like when it says the year nine hundred, it means the year nine hundred. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean like, hey, we're just going to show some like nondescript warrior people, and this could be like a different planet altogether. This could be a Game of Thrones world or something. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I will say um, I don't have like too much more to say on this one, but I do have two other thoughts that I did want to discuss. But it's like one was. I, I feel like the, the one part where I needed more context was like, what was going to happen after Amleth's story was done? As in, like, the, Anya Taylor-Joy seems pretty psyched that she's carrying yeah. basically, like, two kids that are the children. Uh, so it's like, as in Amleth's line would continue. But continue into what? Because his uncle was already basically just like a farm owner at this point. And then... What would these like? Were, were, was it expected that people were going to follow his kids, or like were his kids going to know that they were princes? Were they supposed to have a journey too at some point? Like that part seemed confusing to me. Um, I don't know. Did you guys uh, have thoughts about that? Also, like who who was the boat that took them? I'm still kind of like lost <laughs> on that part. So okay, I believe the boat who the captain of which was the the father from the witch so it was fun seeing him mm, i think okay. that he was a um, so his uncle sorry amlet's uncle was going to send his oldest son away so he had already made arrangements to that like his son and some people were going to leave probably to just like help save his son's life or whatever um that had already been arrangement been made and amlet and um I, I feel bad. Sorry, what is Anya Taylor Joy's character's name? Does she have a um, name? Olga. Olga. Uh, Almut and Olga were going, were, knew about this and instead went and met the captain of the boat. And obviously, at the time, they just said who they were and like lied um, and used that cover story to get away. Uh, I don't think it was meant to be as literal in terms of like, oh, these future, you know, this prince and princess or whatever are going to grow up in like a a Luke and Leia type situation. Um, I think it was a little bit more like the bloodline um, continues. Yeah. Like the bloodline continues and also they will, you know, they will create a kingdom of their own through just the, the force of their, the force of their will and the having a a mother who loves them and 
Um, there's that part is obviously a little bit like, uh, not fantasy, but yeah, like just like a yada yada in terms of like, and his sacrifice was worth it because he like his line continued onward or whatever. Um, because I guess the, the implication is that if he he was saying that if he didn't put an end to um, his uncle's uh, Fjolnir's, I guess line like he Fjolnir was going to come for his kids, so I guess maybe just survival was the point. Um, I, I do want to add you know, on a positive note that I do think that the coolest part of it is how like nature it felt. Like it seemed like they filmed a, on Iceland or near Iceland or yeah, Iceland-ish Iceland, yeah. looking locations, mm-hmm. um, because I think that that part ends up the farm is on Iceland, right? From from what they they describe, uh, I think like the the nature of Iceland is very much paralleled in just the existence of Amleth throughout the movie. Like he's so primal. There's this scene that we I guess briefly referenced in the beginning where he's like howling like a wolf with this other I don't know what what were they called berserkers or whatever they, yep. the, the other people that that mm-hmm. were going in like. Uh, um, every part of like when he is actually howling, you're looking at him like he or at the beginning when he's a uh, I guess not Alexander Skarsgård but Amleth when he's a kid and his like his dad and him are just like out there howling too with uh, Willem Dafoe. I think like so much of uh, of like this power of nature was represented in this movie, which was really really interesting. Um, I just wish I could have seen maybe it like weaved in a little bit tighter narratively into what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. That actually reminds me of a particular uh, quirk of our screening that we went to, um, where um, someone in the theater had a, um, I don't know if it was like a support dog or service dog. Yeah, it, w- it was a dog that was doing its job, that had its its vest and everything on. Um, but this probably was like a very intense movie for a service dog to sit through, because um, not only are there like human characters howling and barking, um, there are dogs getting murdered in this. There are like, it's just all over the place. And there were a few times where, um, we were seated kind of above the audience on a, on a balcony and I could hear the dog. Um, I think he was just like itching himself or something, but the chains that the dog, like the chain noises that the dog were making, it, it felt like it was really adding to like the ambiance of like, um, I believe like the dog might have barked at some point, maybe during the part where like dogs were getting slaughtered in the the little village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely heard some barking, or maybe it was just excited, you know, Eggers fans who were that's true uh, partaking in the howling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it truly maybe like, this movie is a horror movie from the perspective of a of a dog. We just we're not the right species to enjoy it. Oh, and I sorry, I did want to mention that um, it did seem it looks like the majority of the filming actually took place in Northern Ireland. Oh, we I were, I, re- I read that it was like mainly in Iceland. Maybe it's a typo somewhere. Iceland, Ireland, Ireland pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the um, oh no, because even the uh, the volcano was uh, a shot at a quarry outside of Belfast. Interesting. Is this um, where the stupid question? Is this where the uh, movie would have taken place, like in Iceland? I think they said that. So, 
at some point, um, he, I guess, is Scandinavian, yeah. I would imagine, because he's the Northman. And then yeah. uh, they go to the land of Rus, which I guess is I Slavic. Thought, I believe right? that's so, Russia, actually. Like Russia, right, like kind of like Ukraine? southeast. To, that's where they find uh, Anya Taylor Joy's character, Olga. Mm-hmm. And then they go to uh, Fjolnir's kingdom, which is said to be somewhere in Iceland. Okay. So, yeah, so he kind of faithful. fled to Iceland, and that's why they had, um, while they were on their way there, they were. Sort of saying like, oh, we're going to some like godforsaken place that like it sucks to farm at and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, shout out to any Icelandic listeners. Tell <laughs> us, tell us how beautiful your your home country is. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it feels like we've we've talked a lot about the Northmen. Um, I, I think a movie I I didn't see from last year that I've heard a lot of people compare this to uh, was The Green Knight. Uh, did either of you see the Green Knight, and are yes. those comparisons apt? We saw it together. See, but like the Green Knight, and it's funny because similarly, it's also based kind of on a legend. Mm-hmm. But the Green Knight feels a lot more fantasy to me yeah. than this. Like this to me reminds me of, like I said, like Braveheart type of like lore and like elevated, you know, enhancing like these potentially historical figures into like, oh yeah, this great big epic and, and so on. Whereas like the Green Knight, like is straight up, there's like a talking tree type thing, giants, you know, like there's like a, yeah. there's giants. And so, I mean, I really enjoyed the Green Knight. I think some people enjoyed it less than I did. Um, I thought it was like a hot, sexy, like Arthurian legend, you know, as weird as that is. Um, I think Def Patel was fantastic in it. If either of you have the Green Knight on Blu-ray, I feel like I need to just cut out a tiny little paper that is just says a hot, sexy Arthurian legend <laughs> by Rodrigo and like stick that on the back of it as a, as a critic quote, because that's amazing. Um. Well, do we have anything else to say about Robert Eggers and the Northmen? I, I'm still looking forward to what this guy does next. I think uh, maybe this coming fall or summer, uh, I'll revisit The Witch. It's been a couple years, and yeah, um, it's always a, I don't know, it's, it's been long enough now. There's, uh, it might be a good watch outside under under like a full, um, you know, full moon and stars kind of thing. Um, what do we what do we hope he does next if if he continues doing these sorts of um very particular like not set in modern day uh or maybe he would do something like i don't know are we ever going to see a cell phone in a robert eggers movie Never. i think at this point that would be seem very bizarre yeah, I mean, I would say um, I know people were like kind of suggesting that like maybe he shouldn't be given these gigantic budgets. I think if this is someone that we do see talent in, and this is the only one I've seen, so I'm taking it more so for the word of other Edgar fans. Like maybe let's let's give him some time to find his footing with like a bigger budget, right? Like if he's able to produce magic on a smaller budget, maybe it's just about adjusting and adapting and figuring out how to do that like on a bigger scale. So I hope that he gets like again a similar budget if not bigger to tell his next story because again i want to stress that i thought this movie was good i mean i don't think it was like a five out of five but it was good i enjoyed it i think my dad would absolutely love this movie um i guess where we go next um i don't know let's challenge this man maybe a movie that does not involve a lot of white people let's go (laughs) south america or something you know let's go to africa let's go let's find some other uh legends and and historical pieces that we can do that is uh slightly less white (laughs) I think that's not a bad idea. I hope that he would be um, allowed to tell a story like that. I'm obviously he would just like as he did with this movie where he worked with someone who was 
um, uh, what was he had a co-writer for the film? Was it um, his brother? No. Oh no, that was, was the lighthouse, right? Uh, yeah, I think that was his. So there is a Icelandic writer. Um, yeah, I, I forgot the name. The name is Sjorn. I am not. Going I think it to be starts with an S. Yeah, I think Sjorn is. Is that not the? Uh, I feel like I was. I was just reading this. Was that not the? Oh no no never mind. I was going to say that's not that's not the name of the person oh, that the created the legend of Bamla. S O N Sion. Sion. Yeah, he's a frequent collaborator of Bjork as well. He is an Icelandic poet, and he had collaborated with him for this project. So maybe yeah maybe he could do something if he collaborated with the right people. I know in listening to Robert Eggers interview on the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, Robert Eggers uh, paraphrasing this, he had said that his goal is to present um, belief without judgment. Uh, I think in some ways that's kind of a, a noble goal, maybe also impossible. You can't really, you know, he's not a documentarian. You can't actually present anything without coloring it through your own judgment and lens. Um, but I will say that I think he, he like I can see that intent on screen with his his three movies, um, and I, I yeah I hope he does something really cool next. Uh, he could dive into something um, if he keeps in the the folklore um, style of doing things like, uh, and if he wanted to stay in the not in the Western world, but you know maybe do something in like a, like a Native American folklore. That that said, I know a lot of these things are touchy subjects. Um, which but I mean, even this one, right? Like, was not without controversy because they were saying that this is now like a movie that white nationalists love. And I don't know if that's the, his responsibility to figure out like what white nationalists or not white nationalists are gonna love. Yeah, I'm just saying like maybe challenge himself to see history from a dis- different perspective because it seems like he enjoys that. So like that's just like a wish list. Like if he makes another white movie, I'm not gonna be like, oh, this man's a racist, right? Like that's not my concern here. I'm just like, it would be cool to see him like try to tackle a different perspective and see how that informs his future work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like even going back to to like white-oriented history projects is not without controversy for him. So, I mean, I, I, I hope he doesn't uh, guide his career trying to dodge those landmines because it's seemingly almost inevitable that you will hit one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a, a complete shot in the dark in terms of an idea, and I'd love to see him do like a UFO slash alien story set in like the thirties or forties. Like what's Robert Eggers take on um, presenting something like Roswell, like the Roswell incident um, from the characters perspectives that were involved in telling them like what happened. And maybe that's just because I'm someone who finds um, aliens and well, that and just like aliens and extraterrestrials are terrifying for me. So I think uh, if Eggers, I don't think he would need an $80 million budget to do that, but if he had, you know, 20 million to, to do something, um, and it could just be called, I don't know, the spaceman, or <laughs> maybe that's too close to this. <laughs> the even Northern man. <laughs> um, a brief parenthesis before Andrew responds to the same question is Gizmo like, or the Mogwai, like, are they aliens? Do we know this from the gremlins? This um, is unrelated to everything. That's are a they, good question. I, was gonna, I, was, I don't know. Are they yeah, monsters? They are monsters aliens? They came from China, or at least ch- uh, a Chinese... Um, oh, like they were eggs, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's ever really fully explained. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Never you want to see Eggers take on like a, a gritty gremlins. gremlins? Well, when you were saying, I was like, I want to see him take on aliens. Like in my mind, it was like 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 Gizmo, and then I was like, wait, is he an alien? I don't think he's an alien, but I don't know why my brain decided to connect those two. It's because he <laughs> kind of looks like, um, well, not like ET, but I don't know. It's probably in that in this in that general, yeah. Andrew, what where, where would what do you want to see from from Eggers next? Yeah, give me um, a Robert Eggers samurai movie. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, see, the, I could get behind that. The budget needs to be like twenty five million, and he has full control over the story because I want to see how wild he takes this. Um, do we want to see uh, like when we say samurai story? Like, do you want him to because? A third point of all of his movies have been um, interweaving in this, like belief in folklore. So, would you want to see like classic Japanese folklore, like myths and stuff like that, represented as well? Yeah, I, I'd be into that. Yeah, I'm down to just see like I think he has a cool point of view. I just want to see it from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, Go see the the Northmen if you're listening to this. If you haven't, it's still struggling to make up its budget. Uh, I believe it, um, as of May second, it has grossed about forty two point six million. Twenty three in United States and Canada, nineteen in other territories, um, and it's been theorized that it needs to break about two hundred million to break even which is crazy like you look at that cast and you're just like how do you say no to that you know it's like but i I don't know well i think you say no to it because uh it is as much as it like has the appeal of a you know a similar appeal of like a gladiator or something Mm -hmm. it's decidedly not that movie and it's that means the movie poster is not doing its job right like it's if like if if people are just not coming because you would think it would be an easy sell but well andrew i'm sorry to break this to you but the 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 modern public is not basing their movie choices off of the movie posters um i'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you that as i know you're a big both of you are big poster collectors but um modern people are seeing the commercial or hearing the word of mouth they're not big fans of, you know, big, hunky, sweaty guys cosplaying as, like, wolves um, running into, you know... Just, I'm going to update my my grinder profile with that yeah, suggestion, like, I think. I, it's just, like, such, such an easy sell. Like, Nicole Kidman, big star, Ethan Hawke, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's, like, probably, like, the biggest stars out there, who's doing it right now. Um, you know, it's an interesting I don't um, know. It, it's, point it would be such an easy I, sell. But I don't know. Do I don't know really if... care about critis- critics now? Like, what they're saying? Our word of mouth well, is really, into like... Well, an upcoming cool, episode people... where we will discuss film criticism, TBD. Yeah, I, I would... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is a case where critics are very positive, and the general audience scores are not nearly Which as is much. So, kind of on par with Eggers, probably. Like, yeah. A lot of his. I mean, I didn't see theory. the lighthouse in theaters, but mm-hmm. I saw the witch in just like a pretty packed normal mm-hmm. theater on like a Friday night, and I remember mm-hmm. it ended. I was like, "Oh, that was amazing!" And yeah, I, you other were the people. Only one. <laughs> well, I'm sure there were other people who enjoyed it, but like, I heard someone in like a couple of rows in front of me stood yeah, up and was like, like ex- audibly said like oh, that's the last time I trust a critic or something so it's like you know what 
yeah. these sorts of movies uh, aren't for I can, everyone. I can, yeah, I'm convinced now. He, he does have a track record of, of um, uh, like a very polarizing endings too from the first two movies, especially The Witch, right? Where it's like, oh my God, where did this come from? Or it's such so yeah, different. Does not from give you all the, the other horror fair out there. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It is a shame that the the Lion King didn't end with uh, uh, Simba beheading Scar as he was stabbed in the heart and both of them dying on a volcano. Um, Disney whitewashing their legends always. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so thank you so much, you guys, for for chatting, Northmen. Um, I think as we we wrap up, we don't have a we don't have Raf here for his film uh, recommendation. Um, do we do we want to brainstorm a collective recommendation? We talked about the Green Knight earlier. Should should people watch the Green Knight as a as a counterpoint to? I would Northman? I would recommend uh, Apocalypto um, by uh, Mel Gibson. It's it's very uh, similar to the Northman in terms of uh, just like a. A historical revenge uh, tale, um, but I feel like with that one, it, it, it it's a lot more. Uh, it feels like you're watching something that you're not supposed to. Whereas, because a lot of the uh, language they're not speaking English, it's very faithful to, I guess, like the Mayan universe and, and all of that. So basically, it's it's about this man, his fam, this family man who gets like um, his uh, son and and and. Uh, wife also get I think uh, brutally murdered or and he has to like uh, escape from like uh, settlers and uh, the whole time it's like subtitles and it's very inaccessible and it's it feels like it feels like it leans heavily into uh, like what Robert Eggers wants to do with the Northmen but um, he couldn't really because of you know higher budgets and and whatnot and he had to make it more accessible so i would say uh, if you like the wild ride of the northmen go check out apocalypto it's directed by uh uh, our good friend mel gibson of the pod (laughs) not your Uh, friend (laughs) not friend of the pod mel gibson yeah that's the only sort of wax stain on that movie but i ended up really liking that movie and uh drew some parallels watching that movie and watching the Northmen. Interesting. Do you guys have any favorite uh, revenge tales? Uh, Like, would you say, um, like, that are similar to the Northmen? Or, um, I mean, book-wise... It doesn't have to be historical fiction. It could be, like, any revenge tale. Book-wise, I I love The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know that it has been adapted into any Mm. movie worth watching. I'm sure it's been adopted like 8,000 times because it's like, oh, right? Sorry, yeah. So I, I just don't know mm-hmm. if there's like any version out there. Actually, if you're listening to this and you think there's a good version of The Count of Monte Cristo, let me know. Happy to hear, happy to check that out. Is The Man uh, in the Iron Mask like uh, an ad- adaptation for, of that story? or Not no? of that one. I that think it is separate? more in the, the Three Musketeers universe. Right, because okay. uh, that's the. But I also enjoy that one. That I don't th- like. Here's the thing. There's yeah. some movies like there's also the Thirteenth Warrior with Antonio Banderas, and it's like when I saw this movie, I was six years old and I enjoyed it. But do I trust the taste mm-hmm. of a six year old or whatever age I was? You know, it's like also the Man <laughs> in the Iron Mask. Love that movie, but I saw it when I was a mm-hmm. kid, and so does it. Does it hold up? I don't know. Does it hold up? Mm-hmm. What about you, Jordan? Yeah. Um. In terms of revenge movies, yeah. Well, I guess another one that sort of stylistically reminds me a bit of The Northman would be like The Revenant. Um, oh yeah, that's a good one. 
different movie, but still like had a lot of uh, nature kind of themes. Um, sticking to mostly one character, I get those. Um, in terms of well, and then another one just from the past year, which I've talked about a few times, uh, I think would be the Last Duel, which had some uh, interesting things to say. Uh, the Last Duel. What a shame that that didn't get more attention. Uh, I feel like I it had a really interesting. It. Yeah, I feel like it has a re- not only an interesting story, thinking. but an interesting like point of view in the way that it was told, um, the way it kind of gave its female, its woman character <laughs> like the know, biggest voice. But mm, okay, <laughs> do you guys know that meme of the mom playing with like the little girl, and in the foreground there's like this one daughter that's like drowning, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel like that is uh, Ridley Scott picking House of Gucci over the last <laughs> duel in, in this award season. Yeah, if he, if he only had to pick one, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you've you've heard our recommendations. We gave you like five movies to to watch. So. And here's here's one that I will always recommend. You enjoy this story, go check out The Lion King by Disney. Yeah. There you go. Little, uh, that's a cult classic, right? Uh, cult, a little hidden unknown gem. cult is classic this, is underground. Is the cartoon or the uh, CGI version? I'm going to say that you can check out either, depending on how old you are. Like, if you're, like, an old old cynical man, check out the animated version so you're not angry. If you have kids, show them the, the CGI version. They're going to love it. I will say, wrong answer. Perfect. The cartoon is the only w- version of that movie. Again, worth, as worth I said, watching. if you're an old person, that is the only answer for you. I've seen kids watch the CGI version and absolutely love it. I mean, kids will watch anything and like it. But they'll, they, I, bet, I bet, like, blind taste test, blind watch test on kids... They would enjoy the cartoon. But it's a kids movie. Yeah, but it sucks. The new one, it's, it's like they took all the color and fun out of it. Uh, surprise! This is now a Lion King podcast. Uh, prepare for uh, two more hours about Lion King twenty eighteen. Also, or twenty nineteen. Whenever did that came the, out. Did the remake have "Be Prepared"? Like that's the best uh, part of uh, it. Didn't like have a hint of it, not oh the song. My God. See, I, yeah, like okay. he says it, and he yeah. kind of like talks. Sorry, if you need it. the Nazi allegory. Watch the animated version. <laughs> Yes. What if you just like true. the song? <laughs> uh, and Jeremy Irons yeah. kills it as Scar. Yeah, for sure. Um, we can debate the Lion King another day. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we wrap up this episode? Um, uh, what do we normally do at the end of the episodes, Rodrigo? Can you tell this is my first time officially hosting? Because I'm. <laughs> no, I think at the end we would just let remind people that if you want to follow Layered Butter, you can follow us on Layered underscore Butter on Twitter and uh, Layered Butter on Instagram. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you? Yeah, you can add on me the- on Instagram um, or Twitter at Hoy It's Andrew. Um, hoy, hoy, it's Andrew. H O Y. Hey, it's Andrew was taken. So, uh, hoy, it's Andrew was not taken. So, love Choices. it. And uh, Rod, <laughs> Rod, where can people find you? If you uh, actually for this one, if you're listening to this and you have opinions about the Northmen, uh, find me on any social media platform at R Cockting R C O K T I N G. Slide into the DMs if you don't want to follow me, you just want to chat, just you know, send me a message. If you want to find me on Letterbox? Message me through. Can you message through Letterbox? I don't know. Like comment on my review, which I think was just yeah, like a, yeah, a one, yeah. a one line reference to Willem Dafoe and Hamlet. Um, but basically, I want to hear your thoughts on this movie because I am curious to see other people's perspective. I know, like I was relatively a little bit sour. Also, if you have thoughts on The Lion King and whether or not you know uh, you want to talk about it, uh, feel free to reach out. I love it. So many different reasons to get a hold of Rodrigo this week. 
Yeah, at this point, uh, I'm just if, throwing out incendiary <laughs> suggestions to see if people will respond. If listeners want to reach me, um, I'd suggest finding me at the gates of hell. Uh, come dressed in nothing and carrying a sword, and we'll we'll battle to the death. So I'll see you there. All right. Thanks so much for for joining us, and everyone, say goodbye now. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 The Layered Butter Podcast is brought to you by Red Squirrel Tail. To learn more about them, let's hear from the founder. Hi, I'm Allison, and I create handmade needle felt animals under the name Red Squirrel Tail. I make custom dogs, cats, and woodland creatures like chipmunks, squirrels, and birds. I create ornaments and handmade wreaths inspired by nature and wildlife. If you're looking for a thoughtful handmade gift any time of year, visit my website at redsquirreltail.com.